welcome to episode 29 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com. Uh, my name is Jakai Mickelson with Atlanta Movie Tours. And we have a pretty cool show for you today. Um, Jakai and I have been up to some, some cool stuff, so we're going to talk about that <laughs> and uh, some Ash versus Evil Dead goodness, Atlanta filming news, and of course, as always, box office report. And we don't, since we don't have a film review this week, uh, we do have an interview with uh, John Hamm and Zach Galifianakis from uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses, which uh, comes out uh, this Friday, October twenty first. And it's it's a brief interview, but uh, but quite an entertaining one, if I must say. It is. It is. I I love both of them. Um, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know if the movie's any good, but. The interview's entertaining. <laughs> there you go. Which, at this point, that's better than the movie, because it's not like we can show listeners a movie, nor can we show them anything at all. They just have to listen. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's our that's our outline for today. Um, I know you have an update for us with Spilled Milk, so let's start there. Oh, let's start there. Um, uh, this is a big deal. Spilled Milk headlining. Uh, Atlas episode 29. Um, well, I just wanted to share, we had some uh, really exciting news. We were invited to screen uh, at Duke University in front of kind of their board of directors and medical staff. Um, so that's going to be happening November 12th. And, and come to find out, I thought it was going to be kind of a like a, like kind of a bigger screening in terms of tickets for sale and such, but it's not. It's actually kind of um, just for the powers that be at the major university. So I was joking with my dad, like, ha, ah, I finally got into a good university. But uh, <laughs> I know it's a big deal school, and uh, we're very excited. And hopefully that'll be kind of the first step to start getting spilled milk in front of eyeballs, um, because we're proud of it, and it's just going to be an exciting first step for us. You know, Duke University, November 12th. If you really want to go, let me know, and I could get you in. People oh, that's awesome. listening. Yeah, yeah, we're we're really we're really super excited, and um, all of the all of the the big deal people are are going to be there. So I wish I was more eloquent in how I was sharing this because it probably deserves to be <laughs> delivered with more sophistication. But uh, I'm proud that the movie's finally going to be seen. So progress, Emma. Progress. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So, so that's the next big thing you have lined up for that. And beyond that, what's your what's your kind of plans? Are you going to approach more film festivals or what's your game plan? Well, the plan is 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 more film festivals. But but hopefully what this does for us is it gives this little film a real legitimate nod of credibility um, right. that, that, that we can hopefully kind of ride some momentum from and actually get into some more credible film festivals. Because weirdly, um, speaking Frankly, I, we have had a really hard time getting over the hump in the film festival circuit, and I weird, I don't know what the issue's been with the film. We actually have an executive producer who really believes in the film by, by the name of Tommy Oliver, who, who's had films going to Sundance and, and wrote and directed a film that went huge at, at Toronto International Film Festival a couple years ago. In fact, it's it's released now and available if you anybody wants to check it out. It's called 1982, and it's a very powerful film starring Hill Harper, uh, Wayne Brady in a dramatic role, uh, which is different, but he kills it. And uh, actually, Ruby D. Um, it was her last role before she passed. So, I mean, we've got a guy in our circle that's well connected, but still, for whatever reason, we, we've been we've been a little idle in terms of getting this thing in front of eyeballs. Everybody who's seen it, who has watched it, 
has had really good things to say about it or have been really emotionally affected by it. So it's it's been really weird to 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 be on this trek and have something that we're all super proud of. Um that we've just had a really hard time getting it in front of people. It hasn't gone how I'd hoped it would. We we came uh I can't remember if I've told this on the show or not, but we came super close to getting into the Los Angeles Film Festival to where um the director of programming sent me a personal email saying how good the film was and please keep me posted of stuff you do in the future, yada, 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 which which was fantastic, but still at the end of the email was, and, and sorry, we're, you were very close, but, but you're not in. So I, of course, wrote back and said, listen, thank you for the nice words, and what needs to change for us to be just on the inside looking out versus vice versa? And I haven't been able to get any direct feedback, so it's kind of weird to, like, wonder if there's just one thing that needs to be tweaked to make this thing, you know... I realize I'm rambling a little bit. The short and long of it is, <laughs> I really hope that that this Duke University thing gives us the credibility to get us in front of more real audiences. Because I, I do. Yeah. It's a tiny film, but I think it deserves to be seen. So we'll see what happens. Definitely. Well, good luck. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. In fact, I was I was joking around with my wife Mandy about like you know I should have Emma. I should put Emma on the spot, and we should do a uh, Atlas review of Spilled Milk. And then, and then just get a full, like, cause like, it'd be awesome if you saw it and you're like, what's a roll on your eye scale? And you're like, five, full five, hated it. But <laughs> oh, that'd be good. It'd be good. Uh, it'd be good podcasting, I think. <laughs> the most awkward episode ever yeah. if I said that. It'd be great. It'd be great. And then for the next five episodes, it would be a little, there'd be a little friction and then it'd be fine. <laughs> then it'd be fine. No, we could totally do that. I'd be game. That'd be fun. Yeah. Really fun. So maybe maybe a, a future episode once uh, Spilled Milk is out there and seeable. But the ultimate goal, honestly, is to get on Netflix, get on a streaming service, get somewhere where people can actually see it easily. So right. that's, uh, that's the hope. Well, cool. And, of course, to make billions of dollars as a major famous filmmaker. I mean, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> So how did, how did your, you did some cool stuff with like social media. Every time I look up, I'm like, when the hell, what is she doing now? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was really fun. So after, after we recorded last week's episode, I went to a social media conference. Uh, this is actually the second one they've done and it's all Atlanta based. It's called Sitsum. And basically what they do, it's in partnership with the uh, convention bureau and tourism board here in Atlanta. And they bring in a bunch of influencers from all over the world um, that have uh, strong social media following and engagement and basically, you know, show them the cool things that Atlanta has to offer. Mm. And it's a uh, it's uh, kind of just a cool way to, to trend on Twitter and get a lot of content out there. You know, we had two girls, um, two of my friends were in from London for it. I think those were the only two international people that we had. Um, everyone else, for the most part, was uh, U.S. based. Uh, but it was such a cool weekend. Uh, they we had a, a lot of sessions that kind of talked about, uh, you know, pitching tourism boards and kind of the the future of Facebook ads and Twitter ads and the best way to engage with brands and, you know, stay true to your content and have good marketing that tells a story and doesn't just sell, sell, sell. Mm. Um so the the sessions that we had were fantastic. And then on top of that, we got to do a bunch of cool things around the city. And um, the first night, we actually got to have dinner at the Atlanta History Center after uh, going through the Swan House, which I've been to a number of times. And it never gets old because it's so freaking beautiful. That's a major and location in an, uh, in an Atlanta movie tours. 
Sure, it of is. course. Yes, because that's uh, Katniss. It's the governor's mansion, for those of you who are nerdy enough to be a fan of <laughs> those shows. Please continue. Yeah, President Snow's mansion. It's uh, it's beautiful. And, and what local Atlanteans may not know is that it was actually the Inman family, and that is the Inman family of Inman Park. Uh, oh. So that's pretty cool. It's a... It's funny because I'm like walking through it and there's a couple places that I got to see on this tour that I haven't got to see in, in previous tours. Some of the, the kind of, I think it was the servants quarters. It was the, the very top floor. And um, it's funny like walking through that in, in this house that's, you know, obviously was, uh, you know, state of the art for its time, beautiful. And even now, I mean, it's it's still so beautiful and the bathroom is still so much larger than my bathroom and the closet <laughs> still so much larger than my closet um but it's it's just beautiful and it really does kind of uh take you to a different era uh walking through it and and everything that they have set up and um so that was really cool and uh getting to have dinner there was was wonderful as well and then on thursday uh, we had a couple options of everything that we could do, and one of the options was uh, going on a tour at the Atlanta Movie Tours, which I did not do because I, I've been on every single tour <laughs> that Atlanta Movie Tour has, um, and I love it, but I wanted to make sure that some of the other people there had the chance to do You're it. You're very selfish. You're, I cannot believe you would throw Atlanta Movie Tours <laughs> under the bus. No, it's okay. I understand. I understand. Because it looked like the alternative thing you got to do was pretty cool. It was pretty cool, yeah. Um, so I when last year when we did this this convention here too, I wanted to just do something in the city that I'd never done before, and you know, kind of become a tourist in my own city. So uh, Thursday, I actually did a tour of the Buford Highways Farmer Farmers Market, and uh, those people that know me know that I don't cook at all. I don't really know how to cook. I usually injure myself when I try to do anything that's not like microwavable. <laughs> um, and I did like the blue apron thing for a while, the subscription service. And I was like, uh, you know, a frying fish and like burning my arms because I had grease going everywhere. And it was just um, it was really horrific. Um, so uh, but this was really cool. They actually do offer tours um, at the farmer's market if you're kind of overwhelmed, uh, which, you know, I'd always heard about. Um, about this place and, you know, how many different um, cultures and countries were, were represented here and how you could get food from really anywhere in the world that you couldn't get, you know, anywhere else around town. Um, so it was something I always wanted to do, but something I was always very intimidated by. Uh. Um, so being able to go and walk around, have everything kind of like dumbed down to, to my level of <laughs> not knowing anything about cooking. Um but that being said, there were a lot of people on the tour that were big foodies and did know a lot about food. So it was cool to kind of be able to ask my, my dumb questions to them as well. But um, it was it was great. We got to try food from all over the world. And then at the very end, um, you know, we were handed these little sheets for a scavenger hunt. And it didn't say what the product was on it, but it, w it was like 10, 10 things. And it basically said what country or what region of the world they were from and what they were used for. And um, it was something that had been like hinted at, um, you know, throughout the, the entire tour. So if we were paying attention, we, we knew what each one of these things were. <laughs> um, so yours truly came in second out of about 30. 
Nicely done. I mean, that's, yeah. that's still only a silver medal, but still, good job. Still, still. No, no, that's for... awesome. Sorry. <laughs> what, what a jerk I am. I'm like, oh, congratulations <laughs> on not winning, Emma. That's great. First first place loser yeah. is what I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I was thrilled because I, I was like, even like when I was preparing to do this and starting to go around and collect things, I was like, I'm going to come in dead last. Like, I know for sure because oh, everyone no. else that's here is like a huge foodie and like, but you get me in a situation where I get to compete with other people, and uh-huh. I just like I love it. Like I love competition. So that's good uh, to know. Yeah, somehow I pulled off second. That's awesome. So <laughs> what'd you win? Did you get to win all the stuff you found on the scavenger hunt? Yeah. Yep. We got to take home um, everything that we uh, that we put in our carts, and I kind of wish I'd gotten some like bigger boxes of some of the things that I'd gotten because <laughs> um, I, I didn't know we were going to be able to take everything home. Uh, that would have changed my strategy a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 So um, anyway, that was that was Thursday. Um, Thursday night, we got to go around Buckhead um, and having dinner, uh, South City Kitchen, um, the Atlas over at St. Regis, uh, who actually I have a friend that works there. So that was pretty cool. I ran into her. Uh, great drinks, great food everywhere. Definitely not. I'm not a, a Buckhead person. So being able to... Yeah to go to Buckhead restaurants was a, a little bit of a change of pace for me just because I, I pretty much stick to my, my little midtown, you know, uh, Inman Park, yeah. Town City Market area. But um, so we did that. And then Friday we had a few more sessions and I actually got to go on the rooftop of Pont City Market for the first time which was super cool. I got to see the whole um, amusement park kind of thing that they have laid out and um, the uh, new brewery or the new beer garden. um, I believe it's called nine mile high is supposed to open either this week or next. So they were doing like server training up there and just being able to see the view on top of the market is insane. It's on the, it's on the corner of the building. um, So it's like the corner of uh, Glen Iris and Ponce. So you can see downtown, midtown and Buckhead. It's just an an expansive view. And I can't imagine like hanging out up there and eating, but I'm going to do it all the time. Oh my gosh. I also (laughs) want to do that. That sounds fantastic. There's something about like, it's the dumbest thing, but there's something about a rooftop bar and a beer that's just Magnificent. Well, I know you don't really like beer, but... Oh, they got other stuff, too. I can can have some wine and some whiskey up there. A rooftop place with an adult beverage of some kind. That is just the best. And Atlanta does that really well, to be fair. And and now that the fall is allegedly here, the timing (laughs) is good. The timing is good. Um, I don't know how... I mean, I guess people can hang out up there in winter jackets here in a few months, but... uh, it really is perfect right now, and it was the weather was it was amazing last week up there. So, um, got to do that, and then from there headed over to the Fox Theater for their behind the scenes tour. And the Fox actually does four tours. Um, one of them is the the behind the scene tours, which I did. They also do a ghost tour, which I now really want to take because there are four ghosts that have set up camp at Fox Theater. Mm. Uh, the na- main one is Mary. And uh, they actually have seen, like, apparitions of her, um, those that work late nights backstage at the Fox. So that was pretty cool. Um, a fun fact about the Fox, which is kind of kind of sad, um, it was, of course, built in the, the early 1920s for, at that time, what, what was uh, $3.7 million. And then wow. things didn't go so hot. And, of course, the Great Depression 
came and, and hit, and the fox was actually sold at auction for $75,000. Wow! Yeah. So, $3.7 million to build it, and then sold at auction. Um, it was, the, I believe, in the early 30s for... For seventy five thousand, I I can't. That's such a huge loss. Does uh, (laughs) how long did the people that bought it for that much money? Was it a sorry? Now I want to know more. Was it a company or a uh, individual person that bought it for that price? Um, you know, I should probably have that in front of me, and I don't. Oh, it's okay. Um, I was so busy taking pictures. I have all of that written down, though. And if you go and you look on uh, uh, Fox's website, um, they have the the whole history of the buying and the selling and who had it at what time. And and uh, they also have a great book that you can get to that, that details out all of the history. Um, so definitely check that out. One of the main things that I, I wanted to get on that tour was, you know, there was a, a man that lived there at the, the apartment at the Fox for uh, years and years and years, and they, they couldn't get rid of him. He had it until he died because that was part of the, the original arrangement. Hmm. Um, and he could see plays from his apartment there at the Fox. And um, he recently passed away, and he had an insane art collection and an antique collection that was all up for auction. Um, but I was really hopeful that we were going to get to see that apartment, and that wasn't a part of it. Oh. Um, and and of course now they're they're doing a whole kind of um, refresh of things at the Fox too. They're doing the um, the the rooftop bar, which will be on top of the old jazz um, club that's next door. And um, a couple new lounges, and it's going to be really, really awesome. But I want to see the apartment. Yeah, that sounds cool. It's <laughs> like uh, it reminds me of like Walt Disney's secret apartment at Disneyland or something. I, I, exactly. I, I never heard of uh, heard of a guy living at the Fox. That's pretty sweet, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's part of the history. But uh, it was really cool being able to to go backstage and see the dressing rooms and kind of see how they you know raised and lowered the stairs and. Um, getting to actually be on the stage and see what it would look like yeah. from a performer looking out was incredible. And then we had the organist there. And, of course, I was like, hey, we play Star Wars. <laughs> um, so getting to hear the Imperial March um, on the organ at the Fox is pretty pretty badass, too. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sweet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that was that was Friday, and of course we got to do um, the shops at Buckhead Atlanta that night. Got to go into Dior. I was wearing Converse in Dior while trying on a thirty four thousand dollars jacket. Wow, <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting. It was really cool though. It was cool to be able to because I there's never another time where I will be able to <laughs> you know unless unless life gets really awesome and I get really rich um right. even then though I don't yeah, I, I don't just foresee cannot, myself yeah, like it is I just want to um I don't know feed an entire community or buy this jacket exactly yeah. exactly and that's what I was thinking the whole time I was in there too I was like I could do so much with $34,000 and like I was grateful for for the experience right, to to, right. to be there and that they were hosting us but at the same time i was kind of like oh my god this stuff is so expensive <laughs> like i just there's so much like i could buy a dress for twelve thousand dollars or you know you you could do so much right. with that money or take my ass to marshall's <laughs> yeah and they have eleven thousand nine hundred and ninety eight dollars <laughs> To go spend on really good whiskey. I don't know. I just throw that out there <laughs> as an alternative. <laughs> exactly. That's going to be um, some pretty amazing uh, Pappy Van Winkle collection of, uh, <laughs> of whiskey I'm going to be getting with that, that remainder. Yes. Um, 
but yeah, anyway, yeah, that that was really cool. And so that was kind of the the convention as a whole uh, was just really great. And being able to kind of be a, a tourist in my own city and and do things that I've never done, you know, living here for for thirty three years and and never experienced um, was just super super cool. No, so. that all of those things sound uh, really cool. Like uh, the Fox Theater behind the scenes stuff, I always get such a kick of like seeing the other side, you know. So that's uh, that's. That is super sweet. Plus Imperial March. That's also awesome. So way to win this last week. Way to win. Why, thank you. Yes. <laughs> no, it was it was great, but enough about that. I feel like I talked your talked your ear off. No, about no. That. I, well, all of those things are I think are pretty damn cool things. I will admit at one point I'm like, gosh, there's more? Good lord. <laughs> this is like she won the lottery of the week having had done. So next week this week is just gonna suck for you, I guess. Because last it's, week was so good. It's a little bit more low-key, that's for sure. Aside from Project Cosplay and um, the, the amazing television viewing experience that I feel like the debate will be on Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> aside true. from those two things, it will be a, a fairly low-key week. <laughs> that's, uh, that's true. Oh, man, Project Cosplay is happening the same time as the debate? No, no, no. Wow. Um, the debate's uh, Wednesday night in Project Cosplay. So no one has any excuse not to be at Project Cosplay, because it is not the same night as the debate. Oh, yeah, why did I? I don't know. Sorry, my brain went weird thinking it was Wednesday. <laughs> it is Thursday. Yeah. Oh, boy. The time-space continuum <laughs> is actually kind of messed up by this whole, by this whole quote, uh, political system. Anyways, um, it's good times. Good, good television. Yeah. yeah it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, speaking of good television... Have you have you watched Ash versus Evil Dead? I'm curious if if any of our listeners are really watching that show because it seems like it's a hit. I saw that it was officially announced for season three at the New York mm -hmm. Comic Convention. Yeah, I uh, I had stars before I moved, and then I no longer have stars now since I have moved. Um, so I haven't seen it. I I love Evil Dead, and I love Bruce Campbell. So I have to imagine that it's absolutely fantastic but i i haven't seen it well it's it's fascinating i would actually love to have like a like a good hearty conversation with somebody who's a fan um because i you know I, I mentioned this in a previous podcast too like i actually saw evil dead 2 here's my story with evil dead 2 for my 12th birthday party we put it up we put our tv and our vcr in the backyard and like me and like 15 friends were laid out in uh, sleeping bags watching Evil Dead 2 in the dark in my backyard. And it's, that's the way I first <laughs> saw it. And and I know like now everybody's like, oh, that's a funny movie. Listen, when you're turning 12, that movie is pretty flippin' scary. Um, and I'd argue some of the best like performance beats in the history of cinema, which, which I think is one of the reasons why Bruce Campbell's such a cult classic. So anyways, based on that experience, when Army of Darkness came out, even though it was unclear that that was another Evil Dead movie based on the weird title, yada yada... Like, nine people went to see that film, and me and my dad were two of them, and I dragged him to see it. He didn't want to go, and then once he saw it, he's, like, quoting the movie, like, give me some sugar, baby. All the cheese <laughs> that's in that movie, my dad just ate up. So it's, what's fascinating to me is as they've rebooted it, or not rebooted, that's the wrong term, but as they've, as they've brought back, and Bruce Campbell's come back after, after li living a life of parading this Ash character and being such an icon, especially in the Comic-Con kind of geek culture, like, I can't, like, Bruce Campbell is royalty, right? He's got to be, like, top ten in terms of people most heralded by that community. Is that a fair? Maybe that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because... Um, doing San Diego Comic-Con, and, and the first year I did that in, in 2009, um, 
they had burn notice there and the only person that they bought brought from burn notice aside from uh, Matt Nix, the creator was Bruce Campbell. (laughs) And it was like, you know, and now you start to see some, some shows that they bring to comic cons that aren't necessarily something that you'd be like, Oh, that's geek culture, you know? And, And so burn notice, you're like, it's not really geek culture, but you've got Bruce Campbell in it. So obviously they, they realize that by bringing the show and, and bringing him and that all of these people that love him from Evil Dead are going to show up and be like, oh, he's in this now. Well, let's check out this because we love him so much. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. Um, but I remember that was like one of my main appeals, even when I did the... Um, it was the very first set visit I ever did was for, for Burn Notice, and I had never seen the show before. I watched, like, five episodes, like, on the plane, um, and before I got down there um, to, to, to prepare for the interview. But the only, the main reason I went down there, I was like, I want to meet Bruce Campbell. Like, he's such a huge part of my childhood, and I just want to, like, meet this man in person and have this be, like, my first in-person celebrity interview. Um so yeah, he's a huge, huge icon. Did you did you actually follow through and sit down with Bruce Campbell for that? I did. I did. I've interviewed him several times now. Um, he's he's amazing. The very first uh, experience I had had with him, and I know a lot of people know this story, but um, I was sitting at a press table and he came in on his bike and he's wearing one of his Tommy Bahama shirts that he always wore on on Burn Notice and just uh, was riding around the table on his bike. And honking his horn and just staring at us. He wasn't saying anything. And I was like, oh, dear God, please don't let this man be super weird and totally ruin the image that I've had of him all my life. (laughs) And, like, have this be, like, a horrifically awful, awkward interview. And um, thankfully it wasn't. He's just, uh, he is super playful and uh, just as awesome as you you would expect him to be. and yeah, yeah, every interview experience I've had with him, they've all been for burn notice yeah. um, when that when that series was on. Um, but he's he's fantastic. Well, it's it's just so crazy because like you imagine being that you imagine being Bruce Campbell, who who is show, like he'd be a guy if I was sitting across from him, I'd have to like get over it and and have to like calm myself the hell down. And he would see it and be like, oh, all right. And he'd be used to that at this point. Right. Because he's been such an icon for so long. You know, right. So and it is kind of weird to be an icon for that long for playing a character that you last put to rest back in 1993, you know, and, right. and weirdly since then, it's just exploded and gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, I seriously think I have purchased Evil Dead 2 in like nine different media types. Finally, I'm like, you know what? I do not need the super duper 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 Blu-ray DVD 3D. Like, I don't need it anymore. I've, I've got <laughs> it, right? Anyways, the reason why I bring it up is it, could you, I just wonder the mindset of trying to come back to that character after you've just been filled with so many compliments, you know, right. for, on that circuit. So, I would actually really like to talk to somebody who's a big fan of the original stuff, because I see the, the ratings of this thing, the Ash versus the Evil, Evil Dead show, are, are pretty high. But right. it's kind of weird because, like, it's really punched up a lot of the things, like a lot of the ch- cheesy one-liners, and all of a sudden the gore is a huge factor, which is always interesting to me because in Army of Darkness, there's seriously no gore. If you watch that film, it's rated R, and I don't know why, because... It's a PG-13 movie at most, because it never gets gory. Evil Dead 2, obviously, and Evil Dead 1 is over the top, but as versus Evil Dead, they're really pushing the gore. So, I don't know. Right. I, I think it's 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 interesting, because it's, in, in a lot of, there's been a few sequences where I've been like, okay, that was awesome, and I'm glad that that happened, and I'm glad to have shared an additional moment with Ash, 
but then there's also been a few times where I'm like, ooh, that feels like really lazy writing to me. But but it's start, like right. it, I feel like the show is really starting to it's it it's learning more and more what it is. But it does it it doesn't feel as like I like Ash feels like so blowhard and full of himself, which he kind of was in Army of Darkness. But there was still like a like a I'm in over my head element that was part of the character that seems completely gone now. And weirdly, I right. miss it. And I realize I'm totally overanalyzing it. But I'd seriously be curious to talk about somebody who... Because, dude, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2, uh, Bruce Campbell's book, If Chins Could Kill, Memoirs of a B-Movie Actor, <laughs> played such a huge role in me actually wanting to pursue kind of like being in, enter- in entertainment and making movies. Yeah. And Sam Raimi and how they made the first Evil Dead. It's like, it's great stuff. So it is, it's just, it's a fascinating voyage to watch one of your heroes be back and relevant in what's a hit show, you know? And because uh, I remember you talk about Burn Notice. I remember years ago I saw a cut of an interview of him where he was just like so excited to be recognized as something other than that guy from the Evil Dead movies. Right, you know? right. So anyway, anyways, yeah, that's my, that's my absolute over, uh, analyzing <laughs> a movie about a guy with a chainsaw for a hand. I think that's a it's an interesting point though because when you're a part of something that's such a cult classic so so far back it's it's like Harrison Ford with Star Wars yeah. where you you kind of you know before the force awakens and he signed on to that project if you asked him about Star Wars in an interview it was just known it was known that you didn't yeah. do that if you were a journalist there was an unspoken rule that everyone knew that you don't ask him about it and um I believe it was Ender's Game was uh, I was in a, a press room for that right before, um, you know, it he he signed on to do everything with Star Wars. And a journalist asked about, you know, uh, the possibility of him returning or I can't remember exactly what the question was, um, but like the whole room, I kid you not, shrieked. It was like, oh, dear God, how is this? No, why are you? Oh, you poor noob. You don't know the rules. <laughs> but uh, I do think it's got to be be challenging to, you know, be pursuing this career that you love and you're only recognized for something that you did, you know, 20 or 30 years ago when you're like, well, you know, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about what I'm doing now and since, and I've grown so much as an actor and you want to be recognized for, for that and not just for this one thing you did so long ago. Right. Um, so I can understand the kind of, uh, frustration, um, coming at it from that angle, but well, they, they still call Ron Howard Opie. You know, that, that's that, true. that guy's had a successful acting career at all levels, and he's directed a few films you may have heard of. So a few. There's, there's certain <laughs> things I'm wondering, but I, that's one of the things, actually, that I love about Bruce Campbell, is he's embraced it in such a way that he's like, yeah, you know, if you Google um, Patton Oswald, Bruce Campbell, there's like a Q&A session that Patton Oswald uh, was hosting. And, of course, there, everybody's asking Bruce Campbell about Evil Dead, that the, the syrup he had to wear for blood, all the stuff that's kind of, if you're a fan of the franchise, it's just kind of like, Everybody knows now, but he, the way he tells the story, he can't help but get off the, off the chair and, and really embellish. Like, he's really good at being that guy, you know, that like behind the scenes access guy. It's, it's, it's just fascinating to me. And now he's got to put that all back in the box and be Ash again. I, I wonder if he's excited to work every day or if he's just like, gotta give the people what they want. 
daddy needs a new car or whatever, you know? <laughs> right, right. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see what we can uh, we can pull for for future episodes on that, because I definitely have some contacts there. And I know we have a few listeners that I can think of off the top of my head who are diehard fans. Nice. So nice. We will we will definitely see what we can do there. Awesome. I, I appreciate it. I, I, I will <laughs> I will lay on the couch and we can discuss this and in, in, a, in a very professional <laughs> manner in an hour or less. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's that, and that there's. Uh, but I see. Well, do you want to take us out of there? I, I was going to wrap it sure. up and say, <laughs> oh, I see that Atlanta has had some filming news, which is a horrible transition. So save me from myself. All right, let me see if I can think of a good transition for this. Um, <laughs> so the Evil Dead, the Dead, the Walking Dead is back on Sunday night for season seven, which of course you know films here in Atlanta. Um, we're not going to talk about Walking Dead though. We're going to talk about some other shows that are filmed in Atlanta. How's that? That was <laughs> that was actually really good. That's better than what I was doing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the gold star. <laughs> Thank you. I try. <laughs> Um, we talked a little bit on um, some past episodes about MacGyver um, and, you know, we didn't really know what the ratings were. We didn't have that information in front of us. Um, but today I do um, for a number of reasons. Uh, MacGyver actually got a pickup for a full season by CBS, um, even though the early reviews of the reboot weren't that great. And, um, of course, reports had indicated that the pilot was actually retooled before it actually aired. Uh. But despite early worries, the series actually premiered at the number one spot for its air date for adults 18 to 49, and it had no strong lead-in at that time to kind of help bring in additional viewership. In the weeks since, the show has managed to hold on to some of that audience and is still winning its time period on Friday nights. Of course, um, Friday night is kind of like the death slot for a show on television, right. so I'm not I'm not really sure like what a, a a great thing that is to be winning. I mean, you're you're winning a night, but it's it's also the weakest night of television um, in terms of competition because people are out and about and doing things, and um, so it's kind of when a show gets moved to Friday night, you're like, oh, that's gonna be it. Um, so all of that being said, um, I'm not sure how much that says. The series did premiere with a 10.9 rating, and now it's at a 7.4 rating. Um, so I'm still not totally sold on this press release of information that it's doing fantastic. Um, but the full season order, um, which is known as the, the back nine order, committing to carry the show beyond midseason and through the final nine episodes of the season, um, has been guaranteed. Though this doesn't guarantee a second season of the show, uh, it definitely doesn't hurt it. So we'll see what happens. Of course, it's been spotted filming all over town. And I'm a strong supporter of anything that films here in Atlanta. That being said, I have not watched MacGyver, right. and I don't, I, I can't really attest to so if it's good or not. By strong supporter, I, <laughs> I, I applaud it privately in my own home. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm happy that it's here and it's filming, and that it got its back nine. And uh, beyond that, I, I wish it well. I, I, I root for it as well because you know I love MacGy- MacGy- blah, MacGyver along. Wow. See, I, I want to say MacGyver and McGruber all at once, and that has just thrown me off. Which, by the way, if McGruber ever makes a guest appearance on MacGyver, I'm in. Anyways. That'd be epic. Yes, it would. Uh, but no, I, I root for it from afar. I loved MacGyver when I was a kid. But yeah, I just haven't found a moment to, to actually give it a look. I should, I should, uh, it's on demand. I should just give one a look and see how it feels. 
in general, I don't watch CBS shows just because I feel like they're, um, you know, CBS reaches more homes than than any other network does. And for that is one of the reasons that they have the strongest ratings, you know, in comparison to all the other networks. But it also seems to be that their shows tend to be written really for the masses mm. and not for a, a distinctive audience, or at least that's how I feel. I mean, even with, with Big Bang Theory, which I've, I've ripped apart a gazillion times talking about how, you know, it's not written for the geeks. It's written no. for the mainstream's perception of geek culture, which is laughing at it instead of laughing with it. And that goes down a whole nother, um, and a whole nother tangent. But, um, <laughs> so I, I just, I feel like CBS, their series, uh, not to say that they're, they haven't had some great ones because they most certainly have, but I just feel like it's so much surface humor mm. or surface kind of entertainment that you can jump into any episode, you know, and not have to have any backstory or know what's going on or, you know, have seen any, any prior episodes. And that's just not, I, I like the, the marathon style TV where if you've missed one episode, you're not going to get the next 12 jokes, you know? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. That's that's my piece on CBS. Oh, nice. CBS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Crap be surface. That's what it stands for. Just made that up. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, no, but they have had some good shows. I don't want to, like, totally pan the network, um, but that's just kind no, of they, they're my listening general and they perception of it. They're listening and they heard that, and your career is over in this town. Uh, it's done. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> Well, I look forward to being proven wrong by by one of their series, um, but but until then, I that that's my thoughts. <laughs> um, um, one show that I do love immensely, though, and have seen every episode of, and I'm dying for season two is Netflix's Stranger Things, which has been spotted around town in some some pre-production stuff that's been going on. Um, I've heard that film... I've heard from a couple of sources that they've been filming, and then I've heard from other sources that they don't officially start filming until November. Um, So I'm not sure which one of those are accurate, but I can tell you that casting for season two has started, and um, casting TaylorMade is an extra extras casting company for the series and they're looking for men and women with 80s hairstyles or actors and models willing to get their haircut to appeal, uh, appear on the show and what that means is they want longer hair for men and bangs for women no trendy hairstyles no unnatural colors and the best length for the hair is shoulder length mm. um they're looking for actors 17 and older And they are also looking for period cars, trucks, and vans, vehicles from 1975 to 85 with their original hubcaps, and they'll pay an additional car bump for vehicles that they can use um, in in filming for season two. Um, So if you are dying to visit the Upside Down or just Hmm. the the awesome world of Stranger Things, um, casting TaylorMade on Facebook, look them up, and they'll have the the casting calls on there that you can uh, apply through. I just cut my hair, Emma. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I still want to do extra work at some point. I, I haven't done it. I Almost everyone I know has. <laughs> and um, I've been on a lot of sets. I know it's not sexy. <laughs> you stand around basically <laughs> all day doing nothing, Sometimes in very uncomfortable conditions, especially if you're if you're working on The Walking Dead and you're done up like a zombie and you're hanging out outside in Georgia in July waiting for your scene to be filmed. Um, so I don't know. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But I feel like 
Stranger Things would be a great one to do it on. Especially with it filming in the fall. Nice weather. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, I'm excited, though, that that's going to be back and that the cast will be around town and that they'll be doing another set visit. I'm really excited for another set visit. So. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be a completely different it's environment. It's going to be different. Yeah. 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 It's not going to be the, the amazing uh, experience of last time with me and two other reporters where I get to do a one-on-one with Millie Bobby Brown. But uh, yeah. but still, I got to have that experience, and I'm very grateful for it. So I, I'm happy for the success of the series and that we're going to be uh, having a season two that'll be hitting Netflix sometime in 2017. Very exciting. Uh, moving right along, though, moving let's talk right about... Along. I've been singing that song a lot lately to my son. It's from the Muppet movie. Aww. It's a great, great song. Yeah. yeah. All songs from the Muppet movie are great. Yes. One of my personal favorites, uh, Muppet or Man. Yes. Yeah. An Oscar-nominated song, or did it win? I don't remember. I don't think it won. I feel like I would remember if it won. Maybe it did. I don't feel like it did. Yeah, but that's good old Brett from uh, Flight of the Concords behind that song. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Learn something new every day about my Muppet world. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but speaking about Atlanta filming and moving into our box office report, the Atlanta film The Accountant, starring Ben Affleck, came in first at the North American box office in its opening weekend. The action drama, which also stars Anna Kendrick as well as J.K. Simmons, brought in $24.7 million. The original production budget for the feature was $44 million. So doing doing so, pretty good. All right. Yeah. Um, the studios were really happy with it. Uh, Jeff Goldstein, uh, Warner Brothers uh, domestic distribution president, said, This is a tremendous result. I was hoping we'd be opening between 15 million and 20 million, but I thought it would be more like 16 or 17 million. So they're very excited that they overshot their projections for it. Um, coming in second was Kevin Hart's new film, Kevin Hart, What Now? Brought in 11.9 million. Uh, dropping to third in its second week was Emily Blunt's The Girl on the Train, which also brought in 11.9 million. Tim Burton's Miss Pellegrine's Home for Peculiar Children fell to fourth, and topping out the top five, Mark Wahlberg's Deep Horizon still holding on. Still there. He's still, still hanging there. on so he doesn't drown in the ocean. Good, good yep. for Mark. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, coming out this Friday, uh, we have Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, Keeping Up with the Joneses, uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil, and Boo, a Medea Halloween. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, the, the trailers for Boo, the Medea Halloweens, uh, I was amused by. I have not seen them. I, I got to admit, I was like, oh, you know what? That uh, that actually looks pretty funny. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a it's a Tyler Perry film, but but I was like, ah, oh, you know what? This one. This one actually looks pretty. To see that that, that character in a Halloween ridiculousness is, I, I I'd sign up for that. <laughs> well, I haven't seen any of these, so I can't comment on if any of them are good. I did want to see. Uh, I really wanted to see Ouija, uh, just because I was obsessed with Ouija board growing up, and it was just so much fun at all of the you know uh, sleepover parties or or whatever I had as a as a kid. We always played with the Ouija board, so. Um, I wanted to kind of see how they were making it scary and, and modernizing it for, for this generation. Right. Um, but but I've not seen it, so That's funny. Who knows? What is there, like a, Hopefully it's good. Like a Ouija board <laughs> app just put on your phone. 
There has to be a Ouija board yeah, app. I never thought of that. I'm going to look that up. But that, like, ruins the whole experience. I, I mean, every, I'm sure everybody has, like, a scary Ouija board story. I totally have one. So, there you go. Maybe for our future Halloween episode or something. <laughs> yes, we will. We can we can uh, take shots of whiskey and play with the Ouija board. It's going to be an amazing nice. episode. <laughs> the $11,900 bottle of whiskey. It's going to be so good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, all of that being said, um, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, which we have our interview with this week with John Hamm and Zach Galifianakis. If you're not familiar with the film, it tells the tale of an ordinary suburban couple played by Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher, and they discover it's not easy keeping up with their impossibly gorgeous and ultra-sophisticated new neighbors, the Joneses, which is played by John Hamm and our future Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot. And especially when they discover that Mr. and Mrs. Jones are really covert operatives. So that being said... Do you want to take us into our interview? I, I certainly can. And now we have an interview with uh, uh, a lady asking questions and <laughs> and the actors that uh, Emma just mentioned, specifically Zach Galifianakis and Tom Hamm. John Hamm. William H. Macy <laughs> and Donald Glover. How does the friendship between Jeff and Tim change during the course of their adventure? Hmm. Well, I think they go through, uh, there's immediate um, blind-like for uh, John's character from Jeff. And then he learns about the reality of who, uh, of of Tim. And uh, then... I think Jeff Gaffney kind of starts questioning the friendship and really wants to kind of dive deep and try to see who this guy's about. So he changes that way. I think, it, yeah, I think it's similarly, I think it's a, it's a, um, it mirrors what real people, or at least real adults, when they attempt to make new friends. We were talking about it a little bit, but like, we're both in our 40s. At a certain point, you're kind of like, I'm I have... My, I'm in my 40s. I'm sorry, 50s. And uh, I have, you kind of have all the friends that you're, so making new friends at, at a certain age is, is sort of a weird thing. You know, you're not in college anymore. You're not in, you're not at your first job or something. These these sort of friendship incubators aren't really there. So it's it mirrors the kind of thing you, you naturally want to put on a good face at the beginning, and you want to kind of show off a little bit, and then and then you kind of get maybe you understand a few deeper things about that person. So you want to understand those, and then maybe you feel you've been not been told been straight with or told the truth, and so you kind of have to get through all that. So I feel like there's a lot of actual real friendship sort of processes. Yes, for this type of movie, it, we kind of, it's tough to cram it in, all, all of that in, but we tr- we try to think, I think Greg did a really nice job of balancing that. And of keeping stuff. it real, with also with the heightened action element and the espionage element. and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not really a spy. No, I know that. Okay. Great. So, Keeping Up with the Joneses is technically your first studio motion picture together, but you knew each other before. What surprised you most about each other from working on this picture? I always thought it was a toupee. My <laughs> Chester? Oh, the, the toupee. The toupee i You always knew? Yeah. Good to know. That was it. It turns out it's not a toupee. It's a full wig. <laughs> it's a... F- it's lace yeah, front. A yeah. whole deal. Sewn on. Sewn on to my scalp. Like, it ain't coming off. Sometimes was- you see blood... Trickling out. Well, it's, it's, mostly it's scarred over at this point. Yeah, uh, scalp. 
That was his nickname on set. Because behind I like, his back, I like to eat uh, hot dogs and, and with Frankenberries. <laughs> uh, what I was impressed with, I, I probably knew this at some level about Zach and his process. <laughs> yeah, but I, what I really was impressed by, and I'm impressed by most most comedians that I know, uh, just the amount of work that they put into being funny, because it's it's mostly meant to look like you're coming up with this stuff on the fly, and it it. It rarely is as easy as all that. And especially when you're trying to film something or film a bit and you have to do it over and over and over again from different angles because of the nature of how movies work. Um, you really have to be technically very proficient at it and, and work on that, those kinds of things. And and Zach was... And then the, the problem is if you just keep making it up and keep improving your way through it, it won't. nothing will fit together. It won't match. Uh, so that's what I was impressed by uh, with Zach. Thank you, John. You're welcome, Zach. We got that, right, guys? Yeah, thanks for my... You guys got it, too? Okay. So, Zach, can you show us your HR face? You know, I've been dying to do it. Uh, I don't... I don't remember seeing it in the movie, though, so... Show show it. Was it this? Show it. Is that it? Ish. You can do better. Right. Yeah, I think it's a lean forward. I think I've actually been doing it. You have. Uh... Yeah, that's pretty good. Got a laugh from the other room. Hmm. Like that. Yep. Yeah. Well, John, can then you show us what you think an international spy face would be? Um. Yes, I can. And it. Uh, which camera is mine? Okay, so it goes like this. Yeah, that's right. it. Yeah, that's a really good one. I think so. Pretty close. So, so there you have it, a fun little interview. Also, uh, you know, just a really sophisticated uh, interviewer there, I thought. She asked some really <laughs> pertinent questions. She did not ask if there were any surprises, so I'll give her credit there. And actually, to be fair to both uh, uh, Mr. Ham and Mr. Galifianakis, uh, neither of them, both of them were very polite. I just can't imagine being a celebrity that has to deal with that kind of thing, I would be, I think I'd be a horrible person. I think I would, like, because, you know, that girl asking the questions could be very nice, but she might catch me in a moment, and I'm just going to be like, that's a stupid question. I don't want to make an HR face right now. All right, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm done with my rant. Thank you for giving me space, Emma. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yes. No, I, I think, uh, and I still want to do this on one of our future shows. I have, like, a collection of, and I've never been... Well, I've been witness to one of them um, of of moments that interviewers have either just not done their research or just blatantly called the actor another actor's name, <laughs> thinking that they were interviewing, um, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey when they were interviewing John Cusack. Right. Or it, it, there's just been some amazing moments, and they're really kind of like hidden gems and just like absolutely horrific horror stories for journalists to, to, to look at and, and avoid doing um, when, when going in to do interviews. But yeah, I mean, it is a challenge um, when they're doing so much press to, to come up with questions that are different or somehow, you know, a, a different take on something that they've been asked 5,000 times before. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure it's really aggravating. And I that's why, I don't know, when I do interviews and one-on-one interviews, I try to yeah, you've got to ask some of the kind of stereotypical questions, but you want to throw some fun stuff in there too. It's uh, um, I I always like to do like uh for the 
for the Walking Dead cast, I had this little sheet last year where it's like you took your birthday and you put together, based on, on your birthday, you put together a zombie survival team. So each month had an actor um, and each day had an actor um, and the years had actors that corresponded to each of them. And this was your zombie survival team. So I was like, so this is who yours is. What do you think your chances of surviving are? And it spawned a, a really interesting kind of conversation where it was just something they hadn't, you know, answered before. And it wasn't a, a question that they had, you know, tried to come up with something different to say a thousand different times before. So those are the good interviews, but so you, that's not... A, you came up with that entire activity, like, going into the interview? Well, I saw the sheet online. Oh. Um, so it was like one of those things oh, going okay. around gotcha, on, gotcha, on gotcha, Pinterest gotcha. Or, gotcha. or Facebook or something. And I was like, this would be a really fun game to play. That's brilliant. Um, hey, that's really good. So, I, was, I was in here like going, oh my gosh, she made that all up just before she went in. She's so good. <laughs> I, You know what? I work best under pressure on the cuff like that. Totally all me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Totally not true at all. I have to prepare for everything I do. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But um, but yeah, that's when you have the opportunity um, in a one-on-one -on -one situation to do something like that. I definitely think it's better. Um, that interview did come from EPK, uh, so it is a little generic and and not exciting. Um, they needed to, to spice it up a little bit, but what can you say? Oh, you're talking about the interview uh, just now with. Uh... Yes. Oh, honestly, I think uh, John and Zach are a lot of fun in it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think when you have. Um, you have stars that can kind of work with those questions and, and still make it fun. Um, even though the questions may be a little bit more generic, it's a, it's a good experience. So I still liked it. You know, what it reminds me of a little bit is like, um, like if you're an actor, right. And you've been doing this stuff for so long, sometimes you have the super boring questions. And then on the flip side, I bet you might have things that try too hard. It's, it's like akin to going to like a baby shower, and instead of just like, hey, let's all hang out, it's uh, let's all hang out and ooh, 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 here are some very intricate games we have to play, you know? Right. I remember years ago, there was a, um, and I think it's when Jim Carrey was doing uh, uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective 2. And these guys had this uh, interview all set up. They spent all this time setting up like a hotel room to look like a forest. And they had this idea the way like Jim Carrey was going to come out of the bushes and get on the chair. And he just came in and he made it funny and they captured it all. But he just tore the whole thing apart and was just like uh -huh. making fun of it. And just like, I'm just going to sit here. We're going to, you know, I just and I always remember being like, I felt bad for the guys. But also now that I've gotten older, I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. If I might not want to deal with, like, some weird guy's idea of what a good interview is. Right. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> There's a great, um, it was Emma Roberts and uh, Dave Franco that did this thing for Nerve, which came out a couple months ago, where they had, um, they were being told what answers to, like, or, or, or not even answers. Sometimes they were told to, like, moan or something while someone was asking a question. And it was just it's this really amazing video on YouTube. If you go and check it out, Emma Roberts, Dave Franco, Nerve um, interview. And it's funny to see the interviewers, how they react to these questions that don't answer their questions at all. And then all of these kind of just really awkward um, mannerisms that are coming from the two of them during the interview. Um, so that's something that's a, a little bit more of a fun take and a way to kind of mess with press. But it's a funny video if you want to check that the out. The tables are turned. Exactly. <laughs> Will there be any surprises next week, Emma? 
we will have some surprises next week. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> we have some cool things coming up. Of course, uh, Project Cosplay, October 20th at Joystick Game Bar on Edgewood. That starts at 9 p.m. sharp. So be there early so you can grab a drink and a seat. Uh, we have some really cool things coming up with this one. Uh, this is our Walking Dead themed one. And we're partnering up with Mark Strakhan, um, who is going to be giving away a gold pass to all of their 2017 events. Uh, I think there's a few exceptions to that. Um, but what's really cool is... Um, they do so many geek events across the city uh, with trivia, diesel. They do the the Potter pub crawl, the Wizard World ball. Um, so many cool events just in the nerd culture space. So if you want a free pass to all of those, um, and I also think we may or may not, I don't, I should, probably shouldn't tease this because I don't know yet. Um, they're doing a zombie pinup calendar, which may or may not premiere <laughs> at our cosplay. If it doesn't, we will tell you when it will premiere and where it's, you can see it. It's a tease extended. <laughs> exactly. That's what it ends up being. Exactly. Um, so anyways, um, Mark Strakhan and Vamble coming together to do a lot of cool things in 2017. And this is just the very first one. So definitely come and check it out and win some cool prizes. And of course, we have the Walking Dead season premiere Sunday night, uh, which we will definitely be talking about next week. And that death that we will we will know we will know if if our guesses are right. Yes. In just a few days. Just a few days. That'll be a, a fun conversation to have. And of course, um, if you're looking for people to share in the misery of what may be happening on Sunday night <laughs> and the emotional grief that you're going to have from it, um, Atlanta Movie Tours has a really cool partnership with Battle and Brew for a tour and then a screening of the premiere um, so you can be around other people to console you. Um, and then of course coming up Halloween weekend we have Walker Stalker Con and we'll have a ton of cool content coming from that as well um, and then of course as always there will be surprises I like a good surprise I especially <laughs> like being asked about surprises so it's perfect yeah, yeah. it is perfect <laughs> well thank you guys for listening again my name is Emma Loggins editor-in-chief at Fanbolt and my name is Jukai Mickelson with Atlanta Movie Tours. And we'll talk to you guys next week. We will also talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.